Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah. How are you guys doing today? <laughs> Welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. I am so humbled and happy to be here. To my audience members, you know the routine. Once you come in, please give your salams. Um, we believe in the power of exchanging the salams of peace um, to keep barakah in this exchange and share the podcast. Um, to my panelists and guests, please be mindful that it does take a minute for it to stream and show up on our platforms, but now is a great time to share it, if you can, to your page. Assalamu alaikum, Aisha. Um, let's chop it up. Assalamu alaikum, alaikum salam. Thank you guys, Veronique. Assalamu alaikum salam. Thank you guys for, um, you know, keeping, like I said, that barakah salams here. Again, welcome to the Dope Muslim Woman podcast. We're here in season three. We are here at series four. It is our accountability and st stability series. Um, we are happy to welcome you to this issues-driven podcast. And this is a very powerful discussion that we have here for, for you tonight. Taming the sexual beast, which is a mighty, mighty word to say, but we are happy to be here and to bring you this powerful discussion. As you guys see, we have a powerful, powerful panel here before us. Um, it, a lot of them do not require an introduction, but I will introduce them nonetheless. Um, it is an, an extremely an honor to have um, these indiv individuals here. I'm going to start first and foremost with introducing, returning the amazing co-host, um, Sister Ziada Dean. As you all know, she is a phenomenal entrepreneur out in Baltimore. Um, she owns her own hair salon. She has hair by Ziada. She's an author. Um, and she um, just is an amazing and phenomenal woman in her own right with everything that she does to encourage us to love ourselves as Black women. Assalamu alaikum, Ziada Dean. Welcome to back to co-hosting the show. Waalaikum salam. Thank you for the introduction. I am honored and grateful to be here. Thank you. Thank you. All right. So we have here our dear sister. Um, most people know her because she's all over screen. She's in our ear. She's in our like airwaves and on screen. But this sister um, is a public speaker. She's an educator. She's a battle rapper. She's a hip hop artist. She's also an advocate against domestic violence and police brutality. She started writing rhymes at the age of 11 while attending the El Iman School in Queens, New York. Um, she started out rhyming in ciphers in the streets of New York and various nightclubs, and she continued to pursue her love for hip hop while attending uh, Manhattan Community College. She became the first female battle champion in 2003, and she is the female originator of hashtag Halal Bars. Um, in addition to that, she's toured all over. She's absolutely phenomenal. She's appeared in a movie recently titled 40 Year Old Virgin, directed by Rada Blank and produced by Lena Waith. I might be butchering names which can be found on Netflix, though. Um, she also appeared in the October issue of Vogue, um, Air, Air, Ar Ar is it Air, Arabia? Arabia. In the article, Arabia, sorry. Vogue, Arabia, and the article titled Meet the New Generation of Female Black NCs. It is none other than Tavasha Shannon, also known as Misunderstood. Assalamu alaikum, sis. Wa alaikum assalam. I love that introduction. Thanks so much. Thank you for Thanks being here. Thanks for having me. I appreciate you being here. Now, this next sister, she is a lifelong Muslim, born and raised in Philadelphia. I've known her when we were, we were young coming up <laughs> in the same city. She earned a bachelor's degree in journalism from Florida A&M University, a master's in media management. 
Her work has been published in Black Enterprise Magazine, Muslim Girl Magazine, Aziza Magazine, and others. She is an administrator of BAM, Black American Muslims, Born Night and Raised, where she hosts live interviews on Islamic history in Black America, teaches weekly classes on the 99 names of Allah, and develops other educational programming. It is none other than our beloved Naima Kabir. Assalamu alaikum, dear sis. Wa alaikum salam. Thank you for having me. Thank you for being here, girl. It's good to have you. Thank you. Our dear brother, um, our only brother here on the panel, um, is he's been a khatib, an instructor, a mentor at various masjids, including Flint and Harbor in Detroit, Michigan, and Akron, Ohio. He is an instructor for Saturday Youth Talim and Sunday Adult Talim at the Muslim Center Mosque and Community Center in Detroit. He's provided scholarly discourses examining the Ruhul Adab and other classic texts um, by Sheikh Al-Haji Ibrahim Al-Nisa. Um, he writes poetry he, uh, and prose to encourage critical thinking in the soul's illumination. His knowledge of West African practice is a comprehensive one grounded in experiential learning and years of independent study. Welcome Sheikh Ibrahim, um, Sheikh Kafani Ibrahim to the show. Assalamu alaikum. I think you're muted, brother. Let me unmute you. Nope. You have to click the unmute button. There you go. Uh-oh. Still no sound. Still no sound. So we're going to let Brother Kafani work that out um, and just, you know, maybe take off your headphones and see how that works, Brother Imam Kafani, and see how that works. All right. I'm going to move on to introduce, you can kind of refresh and maybe come back in, brother. I'm going to introduce, mashallah, I'm so um, humbled and happy. Um, and I have to be, I'm just going to be honest because y'all know how I am. I've wanted this sister on the show for a year. So this is like, um, mashallah, a dream come true for the Don't Muslim Woman podcast. I'm so happy to have her here. But um, needs no introduction, but she is a native of Detroit. She's a community scholar whose research interests include the West African roots of African-American Islamic identity and the role of sacred sexuality within West and East African studies. She holds a degree in African and African-American studies from the University of Michigan, Ann Harbor. She's a certified sexual health educator. She's been working in the field of public health for the last 15 years. She also um, provides learning related to feminine rites of passage, which are traditionally carried out within the context of communities. She instructs rights, rights participants on body awareness, sacred movement, and the cultural history, meaning, and techniques of dances from Ghana, Mali, Senegal, and Guinea. In addition to her um, professional work, she is a storyteller, professional dancer, and choreographer specializing in the dances of West Africa. She is also the founder of Village Auntie Institute. We are super happy and humbled to have Sister Angelica, <laughs> Angelica, also known as Village Auntie to the show. Assalamu alaikum. Wa Thank you so much for the invitation. I'm excited to be here. She's so excited to have you, mashallah. Brother Kafani, I'm just checking in on you. Are you okay, my dear brother? Still no sound, brother. Still no sound. But if you come back, if you go out and come back in, it should work. Sometimes it's tricky like that. All right, you guys, subhanAllah. Thank you guys. Assalamu alaikum, everybody. I know you guys are so excited about this discussion. We're going to get right into it. You know, we don't waste any time. 
Um, we're talking here about taming the sexual beast. The um, aspect of um, harnessing our sexual desires has been recommended um, in a lot of our spiritual practices as Muslims. Um, and, 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 and doing it in a way in which we know is um, pro, being proactive as well as very reasonable in, um, in our approach of this. So sex, one of the greatest motivational forces in life, our sexual impulses control so much of what we do, how we act and the choices we make, but if not properly harnessed, they can lead to great destruction. So I wanted to start right there with you, Tavasha, if that's okay. What are some of the pitfalls that you notice that we fall into as Muslims as it relates to our sexual desires? I believe that um, some of the pitfalls that we fall into is um, inter intermingling a little bit too much, mostly in the workplace um, where we work. Um, we get very comfortable with having conversations of a sexual nature. We uh, we are finding ourselves um, getting, you know, unwanted pregnancies. We're having baby showers before we're having the nikahs and, um, you know, we're having we're having issues where Muslims are, you know, Muslims are catching STDs and um, we have our own thing about that where people aren't really sometimes telling people that they're sitting with or that they're married to or that, um, that they're courting about those issues as well as I think, um, we find ourselves with sexual harassment allegations. I've seen that with a few of our leaders, with a few of the emails being accused of someone would say, you know, cause they're sending penis pics through the direct message, through the DM. So, you know, um, and people are getting caught. So I think along with the point, you know, just fornication, adultery, the regular, but I think the, the penis pics through the DM that, that along with the naked pictures that the women are sending to make themselves more alluring to men for marriage, they are entertaining um, these suggestions. That's just some of the things I've seen that we've fallen into, but there's more, I'm sure. Sabria, we can't hear you. Oh. <laughs> okay, Bismillah, this mute button. Okay, Naeem, I'm popping right on over to you, my love. I, I wanted to just ask you, and I want to tailor your question specific to Muslim women. What are you noticing in the community as some of the pitfalls, some of the things that we are falling into as it relates to not being able to harness, not being able to manage or tame our sexual desires? Well, in, in addition to what Tavasha added, for the women specifically, what I see is women who um, who can't control their lower desires, who can't get a grip on that. And what winds up happening is that they're marrying because it's, it's halal and it's supposed to you know keep them from engaging in fornication, but they're marrying so fast 
and they wind up marrying the wrong men. And so, and they wind up having children with these men. And so now we have communities, no matter where you are, big city, small town, we have Muslim communities full of heartbroken women, Muslim women who are now trying to raise these children and they're heartbroken from their marriages that, you know, they were married to men who um, maybe they shouldn't have been married to. They weren't prepared for marriage. They weren't even compatible, but it was this desire that they had and they're being taught, especially if you're born and raised Muslim, you're taught that you get married before you have sex. And that's, that's what we're supposed to do. But we also have to be very careful about the men that we choose as, as life partners. And so when that happens, you know, women, they feel let down. They feel like I did what Allah told me to do. And now here I am. I'm divorced. I got these kids. I want to get remarried. And I'm still trying to, um, I guess, you know, control these desires. One thing that somebody told me, they were like, it's much harder to control the desire once you've already been married and you've already been able to engage in sexual activity on a regular basis, whatever regular is for that married couple. Um, so in a way, I've kind of been saved from that, but uh, it still doesn't change the fact that our community are, are full of disappointed women, women who have been let down and also heartbroken. Mm, subhanAllah, powerful. And that's okay, um, Sister um, Angelica, I'm going to just pop right over to you and just ask based on your experience. I know based on your platform, you hear a lot, you see a lot, you experience a lot, you teach a lot. What are some of the common pitfalls that we're falling into as an ummah? So I think um, Tavasha and Naima both hit on some very important points. And especially with sending pictures, right? We are looking for both men and women. My work centers primarily around women because as Tavasha said, it's very difficult for me, even though I'm trained, I'm a professional, it's very difficult for me to talk about sexuality with brothers who are not mahram because it's very easy to be sexualized. It has nothing to do with desire, right? But brothers are also fans of the village auntie, right? They also partake in the information. And what I see at the core of the issue is not the behavior, but the attitude. And what it is is that we're all seeking some form of external validation. Mm. We're all seeking some form of intimacy and closeness that we should first be seeking with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. And so because we have this fragile relationship with our Lord and we don't really understand how to connect. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that sex is the same thing as connecting with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, right? But sex is like, it can be like drugs. It can be like food. It can be like shopping. It can become an addiction. You want to get that high. You want to get that rush. You just want to feel something. And I see that is what is happening with a lot of unmarried people, a lot of divorced people, and a lot of married people. They are looking for something externally that can really only come through an internally motivated um, act of spiritual intimacy. Mm, powerful. SubhanAllah. Thank you so much. That mention of that external validation is extremely, extremely powerful because sometimes we don't often know why we seek why we're seeking what we're seeking. So subhanAllah. Um, Zaleem, um, Ziada, I'm gonna jump over to you. And if it's okay, Ziada, um, we wanna start with um, the Sheikh, please. Absolutely. Uh, sexual dilemma is arguably the most significant human conflict. It is the way we question the gender roles in any given society. 
male or female expectations. How do well, let's see, how do men use their sexuality as a means of power and control? Salaam alaikum. Wa alaikum salam. Alhamdulillah. Wa salatu wa salam wa rasulullah sallallahu alayhi wa sallam. Wow, Shaban is coming in real, real for me, but I'm thankful that I know that this is a blessed gathering because Shaitan tried to keep me from even speaking at it. And I'm glad to be here with you all. Just just be be merciful with me, inshallah. Um, um, Allah, you know, the, the real deep thing about this, especially with the taming of sexual desires, is that you if you haven't tamed yourself yet, then how are you going to tame your sexual desires? And, you know, through the books of, uh, of, of knowledge, they say these, these things basically come through these seven things, these two seven things right here. And I want us all to look at it introspectively. We know that they come through the empirical senses of sight, taste, hearing, smell, and, you know, and, and speech and intelligence. And this is how it's all going. It's how you see, oh, he fly to me. That's a nice thug in the throat. We know, we, know, we, we, we know how it goes, or how brothers will look at sisters. It's that internal battle that we have that we have to deal with, and this is the nafs. This is why we have a society that is so sexualized that our children are sexualized before puberty. Hmm. How can you fight a society where you're sexualized even before puberty? and encouraged to do these things. And we have to fight, uh, fight these things. Sheikh uh, Lahaji Ibn he said something, and, and, and just in remembrance with us, and I just want us to ponder about these things because uh, do we all know the levels of the nafs? Uh, nafs al-amadur to bisu'i, or the lowest one, is which you can be lower than a beast. There's one scholar said that a half, three-fourths of the, 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 the intelligence of a scholar is slaughtered between the time that he makes with a woman. Because he's not thinking about Quran. He's not thinking about Hadith. He's not thinking about any other thing about that. But the thing is, is, is he remembering Allah and being with his mate? We live in a society where it's very easy for us to praise bastard children. I'm, I'm just being real with you all. That's why we got baby, daddy. We got secondary names that only we made up. So, and when we look at those things, I'm just saying, um, sisters and brothers, because I, I counsel a lot of people about trauma. I've been through trauma myself, and all of us have been through trauma. The problem is what kind of trauma will you create when you're dealing and when you're healing with yourself? So let's deal with our grief better. There are people who are mating just because of grief. I speak to the young children and the girls, some of the girls, subhanAllah, they think that you gotta be like that. Mm -hmm. They think that is the way just like the sister Angelica said externally, that you have to be that way. And you don't, no man has to be dogmatic. And I'm speaking to the men at this time, if there's anyone here. And we know that men, that your greatest test is your ego and your greatest asset is your rationality. Women, your greatest asset is your compassion, but your greatest battle is your vanity. So we have to fight these things in the best way and especially dealing with our desires. And at this time, 
the society is gauged for the men to just indulge in their lower desires and encouraging the women to, we went from rappers to whappers. Mm -hmm. So it's not about the subject matter anymore. It's, it's about getting it in. Salaam alaikum. Oh. Is it okay, um, mm -hmm. uh, if I push back a little bit, I do wanna just um, ask the question in regards to power and control. Um, mm -hmm. As it relates to sex, um, mm -hmm. how how at times do our do you find our men or brothers using sex as a means of power and control specifically? Truthfully, and being a counselor and being an imam and shaking the community, I haven't seen it just with uh, men. First of okay. all, thank you. There are plenty of women who have used their sexuality. Uh, with men. Uh, first of all, I neither want to make the toxicity male or female. Mm -hmm. But what I do want to know is that um, there's an equity in it. There's you, Your wife should not overpower you and a husband should not overpower the wife. But this society that we live in in America has created a form of misogyny that it's in the DNA in the DNA of this culture. Mm. And the foolishness of some of the men is following. And what is an alpha male when you don't know a lot? Mm. What's an omega male when you act like shaitan? So the so the thing is, you know, I deal with it with a lot of brothers, especially in counseling, because some brothers and you sisters know of it. Like, you know, call me back, brother, why ain't you? Da, da, da. I, I tell everyone, I tell sisters and brothers, I'm not going to go to the hellfire for you. If you're wrong, I'll tell you you're wrong. And if you're right, I'll tell you right, male or female. I will admit at this time, the culture is enforcing this dominant male ego, especially amongst our young black men. Mm, especially you. with our young black men. Sure. Thank you. Thank you, dear Sheikh. Jazakallah khairan. Um, if it's okay, I just want to jump right on over um, to Sister Angelica. Um, if that's okay, and, and Yada, forgive me, I want you to um, kind of come back around. But I do want to ask you in regards to um, what you, you say you commonly work with women. How are, what are some of the common ways that we as women are, are struggling or are utilizing our sexuality as a means of power and control? Uh, so I think Kafani hit it right on the head, not yeah. necessarily taking a gendered approach, but we have to look at pop culture, right? So I'm 45. I'm a Gen Xer, right? I grew up in a time when, you know, I can't really talk about WAP because we had, you know, t-shirt and my panties on. I'm from Detroit and I remember the dance in a certain, you know, kinds of songs where they talk about, you know, female body parts. So I'm not gonna, you know, get up here and, and act like I've been puritanical my whole life. But what has happened is at that time, when I was in high school, it was like, you did that kind of stuff at, in basement parties, you know, with, with, the, with the light off. Um, one, one second, one second. Sure, sure, no problem. It, uh, we're waiting for you, um, Sister Angelica, if it's okay. Um, popping back over to um, Tavasha. You want to give some input while we're waiting for our dear sister? I just find it real I'm sorry, because we're talking about hip hop culture. So, And honestly, I think that hip hop culture is contributing to the issue. You know, I think I've always felt like it's an over-sexualization of music. I grew up, you know, listening to Salt and Pepper and Lil' Kim and Foxy Brown and stuff like that. And 
I'll never forget um, when I bought Little Kim's hardcore album, and I was I had my Walkman and I was listening, and my dad he was like, "What you listening to?" I said, "Little Kim," and then he said, "Oh, let me borrow that." And he borrowed my Walkman from me, and um, he came back home, and I said, "Well, um, where's my my tape?" He said, "It's in the garbage where it belongs," and he had threw out my Little Kim tape, and I was I was a preteen, so I wasn't. Um, yet a teenager at that time when I couldn't have it. Um, now, you know, as a as a mom, I have to worry with my daughter what she sees on TikTok because everything is like that. Everything is naked. Everything is, you know, um, they have the new, it's not back page, but it's, um, it's a new site that people are paying and they can see you in the shower and see you make love. It's called, um, sag. Y'all know what that thing is? It's, 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 it's something that everybody's getting a subscription. Somebody, um, in the comments, I know you all know people are, are getting a private page for that. What is it for? But anyway, you know, but people have to know, I mean, it's not, only fans. Okay. It's only fans. And only fans is that's the stuff you can go on there to see. I mean, maybe someone on OnlyFans is gonna teach you how to fix a flat tire or how to build a house, maybe, but really it's there so you can see something else that you wouldn't like normally see that you're paying from celebrities and stuff. And I just I feel like I, I feel sad honestly as an artist when I look and see the direction that we're going, because I feel like I can't compete and I'm I'm not able, uh, it looks like I'm not valid or I'm not with the times because here I am still trying to hold on to morality and integrity and I'm still got with God consciousness and it's like, that's not lit. And it's not what people are looking for. So they really think even the youth, you know, the Muslim youth is kind of hard sometimes to keep them engaged because our culture is just saturated with gang violence, sex, money, drugs, like, you know, and it's, it's really nothing we could do about that. And, um, it's not, what can we, what can we do? It's, it's not, and I think, Tavasha, would you mind me? I think there's some big echo on my side. On my side or your side? Yeah, if you could mute it. A second, let me see. Okay, thank you, dear sis. Okay, um, um, sister, do you want to just hop back into what you were saying? I know we had to stop for a moment, yes, and I apologize. I'm, no I'm doing double duty here, okay, <laughs> we understand. it's still a work day here in Arizona. So, basically, and I, I missed what Tavasha was saying, but I'm sure it's what I'm gonna say, right? This has become, and it's what Kafani was talking about, it's normalized to have these type of hypersexual conversations so much that that has become the ideal. So you have young girls who feel as if the only way that I'm beautiful is if I get a Brazilian butt lift. The only way that I can make money is to take the currency that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala blessed me with, which is an ample backside and bulbous breast. So I'm gonna get on OnlyFans, I'm gonna start a page. That type of mentality is not something that Muslims are safe from. Mm -hmm. We are not safe from that because we bring that culture into our masajid, into our community centers. Well, first of all, our community centers are absent of youth, right? They are being 
their imam is Plies, right? Their head of the sisters committee is Megan the Stallion. If we just gonna let's just be let's just put it out there and just be right. very plain. Um, and so I think what has happened is we've missed an opportunity to really present what feminine and masculine role models look like and how we can talk about sexuality from a healthy lens. Because in the Muslim community, what, what's happened is we felt we feel like we have to separate spirituality and sexuality. It, it, it's not like that. I got this book right here. I always got a book around me. Anybody who knows me knows I got a whole bunch of books. It's called Sufi Narratives of Intimacy, Ibn Arabi, Gender, and Sexuality. I just got this off Amazon. This ain't no book you got to get out of the library somewhere. Islam is a sex positive religion. What it is not, what it is not is a religion that places a value on the surface level beauty, the mm -hmm. surface level interaction. And this is not just for this generation. This is the boomers generation. My mama's generation had issues like this because at the, at the end of the day, what we're still seeking is we're seeking connection. You know, it's attention seeking behavior. If you're on the Grammys grinding on a bed, you're trying to get somebody's attention. Why? For what? You're not just attention seeking, you're connection seeking. And that is the challenge. And sex in and of itself is an act of connection. This part goes into this part, boom, 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 right? Um, and so I think as Muslims, we don't really take a step back and look at um, how we are meant to behave. And so women then think, well, sex is currency. I can use it as a way to control my man, right? Mm -hmm. I can use it as a way to make sure my husband doesn't go out and get another wife. I can use it, which let me tell you, sisters, that don't work. But anyway, because we see our mothers do it. We have women in the and, and, and let me say this. The aunties in the masjid promote this idea that sex is a form of power and control because mm -hmm. they pull you to the side. Oh, I heard you're getting married to Khaled. You know, that's a fine brother. You know, you got to make sure you keep him happy. You want my biscuit recipe? Make sure you get some lingerie. So women go into marriage with no understanding about sex, but they just know that I can use this as a tool of manipulation, which is why I do the work that I do. And I talk, talk to women and let them know sex should not be a form of manipulation, not be a form of control. It should be a form of emotional and tactile power sharing within an emotionally vulnerable and emotionally safe relationship. Sorry, I, as you can tell, yeah. I, that I feel strongly about. So yeah, no, it was it was um, right on the marker. Um, Subhanallah. Um, Ziada, there was a lot said. I'm gonna um, jump back over to you, but. What I heard was a lot of historical implications, especially with our specific community, as it relates to um, what we've struggled with as a result of coming out of slavery, um, a racial oppression. And like I said, a lot of what we're struggling with, like you said, that external validation is something that's been fed to us to keep us oppressed and shackled, shackled in these chains. So for us, fighting the nafs goes so much deeper. Raziana, please jump into this. Sure, absolutely. I've enjoyed everyone's perspective. The cycle of using sex as a means of release can be damaging in a wide range of ways. 
This cycle can only be broken if we consider other outlets of sexual release. We can then translate, transduce, I'm sorry, our sexual energy into productive energy. How can sexual energy be transferred into productive energy for men and women? I know there's a book um, that speaks about, that has a whole chapter about how you can um, think and grow rich, how you use your sexual energy to create better business moves or things like that. So all that energy that you're storing in yourself use that in a positive way to start a business or work in your community and things of that nature. How can we use that energy as men and women transfer it to be productive energy? Can we start with Naima? Is that okay, Naima? Asalaamu Alaikum. Um, well, one thing for me, I do not promote being busy. I've, I've heard people say that all the time. Oh, you know, you know, you should just, you know, be busy, have a hobby. Um, in fact, I was talking to a good friend of mine about two weeks ago and I was telling her, I said, you know, it's, it's been a long week in BAM. You know, we've had all these back to back programming. I said, you know, it's just been really busy. And she said, well, you probably prefer it that way. I said, no, I don't prefer it that way. I don't promote being being busy. You know, I'm I'm more of a laid back person. I like to put on my lounge clothes and just relax. So I don't think that, you know, that sexual energy energy that people have that you should automatically put all of that into staying busy and, and doing all, all of that. One thing that I, I do think that people can do is to just be mindful of not building up that sexual energy. I mean, it's always there because we're human beings, but I don't watch certain things. I don't listen to certain things. And to be honest with you, I don't think any Muslim married or single should be watching people on television have sex. I mean, that's just my opinion, because as Muslims, we're supposed to lower our gaze. Allah didn't tell just the single men or the single women to lower their gaze. He told us as Muslims to, to do that. So there are certain things that I don't watch. Um, my sister, I don't know if uh, my two sisters are watching, but one of my sisters got me on to uh, Insecure. And I purposely don't like television shows on HBO because I think they have a lot of unnecessary sex scenes. But when I do watch the show and they start doing whatever, I, I'm like a little kid. I just turn to the side. And when they get done doing what they're doing, then I turn back. And people will say, well, you're like a 30-something-year-old woman. Yes, but I'm still a Muslim. And Allah knows what's best for me. And if he told me to lower my gaze, lower my gaze. Because when you don't lower your gaze and you watch whatever you want to watch and you listen to whatever you want, it comes into the heart. And once it gets in the heart, it's very hard to, to fight that. So I think when it comes to sexual energy, I mean, you can find other ways to do that. You know, stay busy. I love to dance. I love to read. I love to do those things. But I think it's also about making sure that that sexual energy stays at a at a point where it doesn't overwhelm you. And that's, uh, you know, just guarding our eyes and our ears and, and really minding what Allah tells us in the Quran about lowering our gaze. Absolutely. Um, SubhanAllah, thank you so much. Um, Sheikh, thank you. Good time to come back in here. Um, mm -hmm. So the idea, you know, I mean, Sister um, Naima says so many powerful things, especially it relates to the, that restraint component um, in order to kind of curtail these sexual desires. Um, is there a way that we, because um, we hear a lot of people saying fasting, 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 which we know is a strong recommendation. Can we kind of hone a little bit into some of these recommendations as it relates to fasting, yet that sexual energy, ways that we can manage it? Um, Naima mentioned what she watches and what she listen, listens to. Can we talk about fasting and other recommendations, Sheikh? Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. 
Um, we can talk about fasting and dicker. I, 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 it was deep. You posted that about asking about how we curb. But you know, the average Muslim says, fast, make dicker, brother, sister. That's all you need to do. All the while, all of, all, uh, at, at the same time, you got extreme amount of lust. The problem is, is that we have to replace that lust with love. People stop knowing how to love each other. Uh, young men are confused about having affection with their wives. Man, I don't want to cuddle. Sisters are feeling, and I've seen this in marriages, he don't love me if he don't dog me. We're, we're, you know, we're seeing that out there. But with our fasting and with our dhikr, uh, uh, I'd just like to give us this one reminder and let's look into it. You know, just as the external world has seven heavens and seven earths, that mankind has seven substances and they come through skin, muscle, fat, bone, perspiration, brain, and blood. We deal with everything and mix with these, the scholar's skin. That's people who just into complexion. He dark skinned, did she like skinned it? People with muscle, they're into strength. Oh, I can get myself and going through this. But with fasting, the true intent of fasting, like Ramadan is coming, and we're in Shabban right now, is that Imam Ghazali said the cost of cost at the highest level of fasting is the internal fast. Now, the problems with the Muslims right now is, is that you can only get that internal state during Ramadan. The Ummah got the game messed up. Ramadan is teaching us you can have that state without fasting through the whole year. He locks up shaitan so that we can get to know that. But if when you get out of Ramadan, you don't have that same state, what's the use of having it? When you make dhikr for yourself and you're fervent and you're crying on your prayer rug, but you'll cuss out your, your child or your friend or your husband. Or the brother cuss out his wife. Or her. Where, where, where's the dicker there? You have to. The thing is, is that with fasting and abstinence, and with dicker and absorbance, we have to keep that state when we're not fasting and we're not making dicker. And this is a problem right now. I know some people who just only do it during Ramadan. So, inshallah, salaam. SubhanAllah. I mean, I thank you so much. And I know you did see my video and I saw how you laughed at it, but it's true because we do say that so much. Um, and but when you really get to heart to heart with people that are really struggling, they're like, I'm struggling with the fasting component. Like I, I'm, I'm battling lust. And I love how you said replace lust with love. Um, uh, Sister um, Angelique, um, I, always try, I don't know why I want to say Angelica. Angelica, I'm sorry, sis. It's something about it. It's something. It's something. Something. <laughs> um, you know, uh, I wanted to just come over to you to culminate this point as yeah. it relates to um, our spiritual practices. Mm -hmm. Some of the things that really sort of curb that that desire. Um, and even like like Ziana mentioned, utilizing that sexual energy in in, in a different form. What are some of your recommendations? 
Um, so Imam Kafani, you know, Sheikh Kafani, uh, he's my teacher. So we come, we come from the same background. What he said is spot on. Uh, we forget that Shaitan cannot force us to do anything. All Shaitan can do is whisper, right? And Shaitan will make you think that you have no willpower. Shaitan will tell you, sis, you can't, you got to hurry up and get married. You can't go too long without a man. You know how you are. That's not your higher self. That's your nafs. So making sure that you not only engage in conscious external consumption, right? So what Naima said, I, I've never seen insecure. I don't have anything against Issa Rae or the, the, the show itself, but the kinds of conversations that my young Muslim friends would have about it, let me know. I don't need to see that. There are certain songs I'm not going to listen to because one of the easiest ways to penetrate the heart, this is from Imam Zay Chakra, is through the ears. This is why we listen to Quran. This is why we enjoy recitation. So making sure we engage in conscious consumption, but also understanding that sexual energy is vitality. It's a life force. It's what makes us feel something. We feel alive. It feels good. Good sex is a piece of the garden on earth. But there are other ways to get a piece of the garden, right? And what, what you have to do from a spiritual standpoint is you have to restrain but you also have to release. Y'all remember that old contract, release. I'm dating myself now. Contract, yeah, really right. Restrain. How do you restrain? By fasting. You fast from food. You fast from water. You fast from evil deeds. You fast from music. You fast. So that's restraining. How do you release? Through salah, through prayer, through dua. Dua is an intimate conversation with your Lord. And I'm going to say when your sexual desire is deep, you can't just hit Fajr, Duhur, Asr, Maghrib, and Isha. You got to hit them Sunnah along with it. And you need to get up at night. You need to get up in the night and pray to your Lord. You need to ask Allah, help me. Help me to curb this. Help me to, help me to release this energy. Help me to ask because for Allah, nothing is impossible. And when you say this to some Muslims, they say, oh, you're just saying fast and pray, fast and pray. As if fasting and praying is not anything. As if fasting and praying is talking about. It's important to understand that there are always deeper levels to these things. And the, the rudimentary acts of worship that we take for granted can have magnificent impact on our ability to quell those sexual desires. Because sometimes, I'm going to be honest, it's not libido. It's not sexual desire. I just want to be held. I just want somebody, I just want to know that somebody loves me. Sometimes we want to touch someone else. Sometimes we just want to hear, I love you. Is there another place that you can get that validation? Can you call your homeboy and be like, you know what? Yo, D, I just want to tell you, man, you know, I love you, man. You know, we've we, we, we been bros for a long time. I just want you to know, you know, when the stuff go down, when the thug thizzle go down, you always got my back, bro. I love you. That's okay. We're missing that affection and love. That is halal and platonic. We're missing those opportunities. I do not get off the phone with my friends without telling them I love them. When my friends come to my house, I don't let them leave without a plate of food, Right. Checking in, leaving voice notes. These are also ways to restrain what we sometimes think is lust and desire, but could also be a desire for connection. Exactly.
MashaAllah. TabarakAllah. That's the whole point of this conversation. I deeply appreciate it. All right, guys, we got to talk about some things um, because, um, you know, um, we um, there, there's an, an issue, an epidemic um, of pornography watching. Um, we talked, you know, about our spiritual practices. We talked about restraining the eyes, but the truth be told that um, there's a lot of Muslims out there struggling. In fact, um, there was um, statistics done that said, I think one of the highest or the third highest watchers of pornography is a Muslim dominant um, country, right? Um, so it's a really, really um, big issue. So I wanted to first start with you, Tavasha, um, in regards to guarding the eye and pornography. Um, what do you deem or view as harmful as it relates to watching pornography? Not just the shows and stuff, even though we know that's all pornography, but people are watching the hardcore stuff. Tavasha, whenever you're ready, babe. The question is what? What's harmful? Yeah. Um, what are you? Yes. How is pornography harmful? I believe that uh, pornography, it creates an addiction. You know, people become addicted to it. They sometimes get married, have unrealistic expectations and living in this fantasy world. They think they're going to get this big freak or whatever. Men marry women who've never been exposed to any sex they're you know virgin women and they expect you to be like what they seen in a pornography and when you can't tap into your inner hole you end up divorced very soon because they're looking for a fix and a good time they couldn't really have it with you you probably if you're not teachable or trainable it's like women are getting this you know um they're disposable. They're getting disposed. And we're having these microwavable marriages. And I think part of it contributes to the pornography. It can also make people um, desynthesize, like from, you know, actually just having a real intimacy with their partner. They're now like, you know, because I mean, I don't watch porn. Um, I have been celibate for nine years since I've been divorced and I don't watch any porn. There's nothing that I, you know that I could get from that um however I do like romance films so I mean I don't I don't close my eyes if I watch a Jason lyric or something and I see a scene because you know a scene but um <laughs> I, I like romance films and in most romance oh, yeah. films somebody gonna kiss somebody good night somebody probably was making love or something but um i think also within our our faith pornography is probably leading to some of the molestation cases that we have um with stepdads like you know there have been women who have gotten married to men who are not the father of their children and those men have molested their daughters or have like raped them and you know um we have um uh we have some sexual offenders. And when you go to look at some of their charges within our community, some of them are related to things with minors and things that I think that porn arouses into people's psyche. So porn has in some marriages that I've heard of, you know, some people have, women have clearly went to the minds and said, look, he's got a problem. I don't know if Muslims don't even want to go to counseling. So I couldn't imagine someone wanting to really get help for their addiction to porn because yeah. the, 
the issue of couple counseling sometimes makes people feel like I'm not going to see nobody. We don't need no counseling. So I couldn't see someone really working on that addiction. So and then I don't see how the problem really is going to get fixed. Um, well, you're right. It's swept under the rug. It's right. swept under the rug. Tabasha, that's really powerful. Um, if it's okay, Naeem, I want to bounce over to you. Um, what are some of the harmful, I mean, you talked about just the importance of guarding your eye and how you use that for your own practices. What do you view as some of the harmful effects of watching pornography in our community? And is it is it like a kept secret for that it's an issue with us in our community? Well, I certainly know that I thought it was taboo. I got an email from one of the Islamic organizations, I don't know whether it was ignorant or ISNA, and this had to be maybe around like 2016. And it was like, oh, helping youth with pornography addictions. And I deleted the email. I was like, Muslims ain't watching pornography. Like, who does that? But, uh, you know, over the years, you know, I've, I've heard of, you know, many initiatives with various Muslim organizations to assist both brothers and sisters with uh, pornography addictions. Um, one of the things that we have to keep in mind is that Shaitan, um, I was reading Surah An-Nur, and I, I came across a verse where uh, I said, do not follow the footsteps of Shaitan. And then Allah goes on to say that there are two specific things that Shaitan calls to. He not only just wants, to, wants us off the path, but he calls us to evil and he calls us to immorality. Okay. And that, that's very important because Shaitan is call, calling us to many things, but two things mostly important, the polytheism and the immorality. And part of that immorality is fornication, is adultery. So if we know that this is what Shaitan is calling us to, and the law tells us multiple times that he's an avowed enemy, he's a clear enemy, then we have to understand how Shaitan is working to get us to that point of, of immorality. Um, and we also know that Allah tells us in the Quran, he never told us not to have. So he said, don't even come near it. This is how strong that force of, of, of pornography and, and, and fornication, adultery, that's how strong it is that he told us, don't even come near it. So it's really up to the individual and especially parents to monitor what their children are watching, monitor what their children are listening to. And as adults who aren't under adult supervision, it really takes our, our taqwa, that balance of hope and fear of Allah, to keep us far, far away. What happens is that we try to, like, we'll dangle our foot off a cliff and then get mad when we fall. Like, yeah. just don't come near it. I, I mean, you may think, I know myself, but yeah, but Shaitan sees you from a, a place where you think he doesn't see you, where you can't see him. And Allah tells us that. And we continue carrying on our day, acting like we can outsmart Shaitan, like we know him, we know him better than we know ourselves or whatever. And we're falling into these things, footstep by footstep, the pornography, then it leads to other things, the other things that, that Tavash had mentioned, problems in the marriage and, and things like that. And so we just have to be mindful not to come near it at all. That's all I, I really can say. Don't trick yourself into thinking that I can try it one time and then I'll be okay with it. It's kind of like when a person tries a drug for the first time and they think they can walk away from that drug, but then it becomes a gateway to other drugs. Well, it's the same thing of uh, watching something on television that you really shouldn't be watching and it seems innocent. And the next thing you know, you keep watching it and then it gets you know even more explicit and at that point, you're addicted and you really can't get out of it. And the only person who can release you from that is Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Mm. 
Thank you so much. That was very insightful. Shake, if it's okay, I'm going to have everybody comment on this. I think it's just really important. It's not talked about enough in our communities. Um, Shake, if it's okay, I wanted to ask you, I know you mentioned you counsel a lot of individuals. How How is pornography really impacting Muslim marriages these days? SubhanAllah. Um, it is impacting marriages in, in society but it's impacting our young children much more uh, because of social media, uh, social we do or whatever fitna you fitna get into. And our, children's are becoming, our children are becoming professionals at it, you know, and get into, getting into fetishes that we didn't get into until we got much older. And so when they get into it and they're getting into it uh, younger, just as a sister, misunderstood mentioned Sister Angelica, the OnlyFans page, you pay a certain amount and you can do these things. Young women are making money off of it and everything. It is, it, it, I think it's being practiced more than it is even being watched. Mm. Mm. I'm just, I just want to be real with you all. I'm, um, we have to stop being over-sexualized and we have to stop trying to, uh, to, to, to decay or hold uh, back our sexuality because this is the Ihdina Salat al-Muslikin because each end has two major problems there. If you're over-sexualized, you get into this. And if you're completely de desexualized, you get into a whole nother thing. And I'm seeing this happen in our communities. I'll mention uh, 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 that um, pornography, uh, I studied in Senegal, West Africa, 15 years. And things started to change when the internet came there. Pornography is just not the illness of the Muslims in America. It's terrible in Africa. It's terrible in Asia. It's terrible all around the world. And that is because it, it, it attacks the heart and your lust. You don't need to love love anymore. And, and the problem is we just need to love anymore. But there's a terrible problem with it. And I, I just want to add, I don't know, I'd like to ask you, and Angelica, but I'm finding it a lot across the board. I'm not finding it's just a lot of males i'm finding it you know their problems coming across the board with the youth i mean i'm uh, i've dealt with some really extreme um cases but i will admit it's much more with the young males because it is encouraged and they share most of this media more and they and they share it with each other you know it's a joke with some of them and it becomes a, a alpha male um ignorant uh, uh, understanding of misogyny. And they think this is how they have to be, but it's not how they have to be. We have, there's a class that I missed today that we have here in Detroit, Michigan called Fatua with Sheikh Abdul Karim Yahya on male chivalry. Many of these things uh, we're, we're talking about with men. Sisters, I will appeal to you at this time. There are a lot of things that men have to work on. I'm, I'm, I'm not the one that's not going to say that. But the problem is, is that it's harder for men to open up to other men to even help them heal. Mm. 
And if they don't know how to heal, then they always hurt others. SubhanAllah. Jazakallah khairan. Um, Sister Angelica, I'm going to just come to you. This issue of pornography. How big is it? How does it impact <coughs> us? It's bigger than you think. It's bigger than you think. We think it's big. It's bigger than that. It's bigger than that. Um, I'm like a vault. I don't know. I don't know why, but my whole life, people love to tell me their secrets. Even when I was little, people would tell me all kinds of stuff, and I'm like, I guess that says something good about me. But it's very heavy to hold the weight of knowing the depravity that exists within our communities globally. I lived in Saudi Arabia for five years in Jeddah. And let me preface this by saying, this is in no way meant to malign Arabs or to malign Saudi Arabia. But one of the things that I saw when I was there, because people tell me things, and these were not students, these were people who were, you know, just casual conversation, just dropping big secrets. Girls would engage in anal sex because if you have anal sex, you still a virgin because your hymen is still intact, which is a lie because we don't even really know what the hymen is, but that's a whole other conversation, you know, in and of itself. Sis, if you go horseback riding every week since you were six and you now 26, your hymen already then broke, but that's a whole other conversation. But anal sex was huge and rampant. I saw penis pics. I saw uh, FaceTime videos of girls. I'm not talking about expats. I'm talking about Saudis, and I'm, I'm talking about Saudi because for a lot of American Muslims, especially in certain communities, we deify Saudi Arabia. Mm -hmm. That's the land of Tawheed and that kind of stuff don't happen. Let me tell you something. Let me tell you something. There's a sheikh from Ghana who came for Hajj and he said, have you ever noticed that when we're here in Jeddah, the city doesn't come alive until Maghrib? And I said, you know, that's true, because you can walk around Jinta during the day and it's quiet and it's peaceful. He said, because the darkness hides the depraved nature of some of the people. It's a cover. It's a shield. It's a protection. So, yes, it's happening. And with women, there are so many sisters who engage in watching porn. They trade videos, they trade links, they just don't talk about it. They just don't talk about it. This is not something I think, this is something I know. And one of the ways that it manifests is in unrealistic expectations when it comes to marriage. So when I do in-person workshops, the last one I did was in Philly and I pull out a penis model, right? It's an anatomical model. And I said, how big do you think this penis is? Uh, it's kind of, it ain't big enough for me. I need somebody who's really packing. I said, this is a 10 inch penis. <gasps> really? I said, and the average American man is about four inches shorter than this. Not black men. Yes, even black men, sis. Yes, even African men, sis. We have a fetishization of the male body. And it starts with these unrealistic expectations for porn. Let me tell you right now, porn is like Sesame Street. It's like Lovecraft Country. It's like Real Housewives of Atlanta. It's scripted. It's completely and utterly fake. It is a cover for sex trafficking. It is theater. It is 
a way to expose the basest desires. And, but Muslims use it as sex education. Hmm. Muslims use it as sex education because we don't have any comprehensive sex ed curricula in our Islamic schools. When our children come and ask us about sex, we say, a stuck for the law, you need to go pray, read some Quran or fast. If we're not going to talk to them about it, they're going to find out from somewhere, which is why I tell parents, you better teach them before they learn, because they go learn from somewhere. They're going to learn from somewhere. So porn, I don't know that we truly understand the magnitude of the problem with porn and how easily accessible it is. I can name off right now five, five free websites that my 13-year-old, my eight-year-old, and my six-year-old can access without a paywall, without any security settings coming up. Why? Because I took their school computer and I tested it out. You know, these schools are saying, oh, we protect the kids. That's a lie because you have very smart and technologically sophisticated people who have porn sites. If you use certain hashtags on Instagram, I was looking for an eggplant parmesan recipe one day. And that's all I want to say about that. It's there and it's accessible. But, but what we don't understand is why is porn so addictive? Because what it does is it it appeals to a real human desire, unless you're asexual, right? There's some people who have no desire for sex. But, you know, around a certain age, my son is 15. He's interested in sex. How do I know? Because I saw it on his phone where somebody has sent a link to him. My son. Kafani knows my son. My son. The village auntie is his mama. Any information he needs, he can get it from me. But he thought, Muslims don't have sex, but this is a desire that he had. So he's looking at pictures of, of girls on a website. So we had to have a conversation. We don't understand our deen and we don't understand how accessible these images, these moving images and these photos are to our children right on uh, sites like Twitter, uh, Instagram, Clubhouse. You have phone sex happening. <laughs> I mean, it's just right there, it's open. Uh, so it's something that we really need to talk about. And it's one of the reasons why I'm glad that you're having these conversations openly, because I think it's opening a lot of people's eyes to the understanding that Muslims, we're human beings. Because I think we we think we superheroes. We think the Shahada is like a cape and it just protects us from everything in the dunya. No, it doesn't. Um, so it's it's a reality that we really need to address because it, it's harming marriages. But even more than that, it's preventing people from having healthy sexual relationships from the beginning, from the very beginning. Mm. Hmm. Very insightful. Thank you, Ziada. Sorry, I was taking all <laughs> all of that in, and I, I totally agree, um, especially what you said, the village auntie. When my mother even told me that, you know, I want you to come to me and ask me questions about sex because I don't want you to go outside of the home and learn from your friends. They don't even understand what sex is at this age. I don't want you to be misinformed. And I, like you, have a 14-year-old, and I have to speak to him about that. And I knew when he was interested, he came in, he spoke to me about it, and he actually was sad that he, you know, he felt he was going to get in trouble for having these sexual feelings, right? And some of it, you, you had to really talk him through it, like you did, had to really talk him through it and tell him it's natural, but this is how you can, you know, harness it and control it, you know, pray to a lot. And he, 
he worked through it and he said, I just don't, it didn't make my soul feel right by looking at these images. And that made, felt good to me as a mother. But, you know, at the same time, some some parents, oftentimes you'd be surprised. A lot of some, some parents will encourage their children to watch porn. You know, some brothers may think that it's cool, that this is how they're teaching their children, how what sex looks like. Like you said, this is what sex education is. That is not what sex education is. And a lot of marriages, I know, like you said, the village auntie, I'm a hairstylist. I hear everything. Like I literally hear everything in the community and things of that nature. And it stays with me for sure. But I know marriages that have been broken from, from their husbands being addicted to porn, but they are imams and things of that maybe in the community, but they're at home, there's someone totally different. And like sister, um, the village auntie said, it's important for us to speak about this because we do really think that these issues don't happen. And so many of my non-Muslim clients actually listen to the, to watch the Dope Muslim podcast and what they tell me, it has given them so much insight about Islam and they have learned to appreciate the religion because it shows that we're human, that we are human and that we are talking about these issues. And it's very important to speak about it. Uh, the question that I had after that, I'm sorry. And he said, my, may God bless him and grant him peace on the day of arising, seven people will be shaded by God under his throne. When there is no shade but his, and he enumerated among them, a man invited by a woman of beauty and good family to lie with her. But who said, I fear God, the Lord of the world? How difficult is it to reject the advances of the opposite sex? Sheikh, would you mind starting answering that question? How difficult is it to reject the advances of the opposite gender? Um, <clears throat> SubhanAllah. Um, is it depends on your state because it is it's uh is every <clears throat> one's battle because everyone has urges and uh one of the easiest ways that I can explain it um one of the sheikhs uh Sheikh Hassan Sise, his brother Sadi Ali and Sisei Sadi came here when he came to America. <clears throat> and he said, you know, most people say you take one gaze and then you, you look away. You can't take it. And for men and for women. I would just hear him say, Alhamdulillah, wala astaghfirullah. I said, like, Sayyidina, why are you saying this? He said, America, he said, it's just too messed up. He said, in America, you know, the Prophet has taught us. If you look this way and you see one and you get a right face, you should turn the other way. He said, but in this place, if you look this way, you see one. And if you look this way, <laughs> you see another. So he said, all I can say is, subhanAllah, alhamdulillah, that Allah has made his creation, but astaghfirullah for the intention that I might have in our heart. We're not doing enough of that. Do you know how many Muslims never ask Allah for forgiveness? But they want forgiveness from their girl, though. They want forgiveness from their boy, though. They want forgiveness from their child, you know. And the problem is, is that those urges have to be fought, but, it, but it's, a, it's a continual battle. And Rasulullah Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam, he spoke about it. <clears throat> we, just, we just have to fight it uh, more. And just let me 
and and connected to this is one point I wanted to make, and please follow me, and please be patient with me. It'll be very quickly, my dear sister Sabria. Okay. You know, the Prophet Muhammad sallam, has said that there are four things that make your body sick, and that's excessive talking, excessive sleeping, excessive eating, and excessive intercourse. These things make your body sick. And Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam said, four things that destroy the body are worrying, sorrow and grief, hunger, sleeping and sleeping late at night. And, and we have to battle ourselves with these things. We have to battle ourselves with our urges and especially our lower desires. And we stay at a place where lower desires are uh, what we speak of every day. Jazakallah, Kaira. Mm -hmm. um, Tavasha, I wanted to hop over to you. Um, mm -hmm. You know, as you mentioned, a single woman for some time, is it how difficult, and you don't have to relate it personally, so forgive it. Forgive me for the way I'm framing the question, um, but um, how difficult is it, in your opinion, for women to, um, because sometimes we think it's a man issue, that men just have this hard time with um, refraining or rejecting the sexual advances um, of women, but we know as women that we struggle with it too. So how difficult is it and what are some ways or some suggestions you have in particular to women to kind of navigate through those sort of situations? Difficult, very, 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 very difficult as, um, you know, as a woman who is a, is, um, attractive, you do get people who, offer you things, you know, in, in a DM, people offer you services. People definitely push the envelope um, sometimes in conversation or in person. So um, I've had those situations. So it's, it's something that is something that I, I just tell myself, you know what, doing the right thing is what's really going to get us the blessings from Allah. A lot of times we get ourselves in situations and then you got to go make Haram, halal, and it's like, why do we have to? Why do we always have to try to fix the stuff when you could just, just try to be on the up and up and the straight and narrow from begin with? You know, a lot of times you fall into the stuff you're not supposed to do, and then you gotta go and fix it, and you know, right your wrongs. And it's like I, I, I tell myself, I don't know about the other one, but I tell myself, you know what? We're going to just be patient. They tell us that all the time. Our dean always tell us, Burley Allah is with the patient. We here be patient all the time. Well, this is one of those situations where it applies. We need to be patient. Our Lord has something for us. If our, our Lord is to us what we believe he is. So if I believe that he's going to give me something great, he's going to send me a husband, he's going to send me someone who I can have to share that space and time with and the intimacy and the sex and everything, then I, I need to believe that. And I could say that I believe, but my actions should show what I'm feeling in my, what's in my heart and then what's in my mind? Because a lot of times we be like, you don't know what's in my heart, but sometimes our actions and how we move and how we operate is really, if that is that what's really in your heart, what you showcasing to the people? So I know the temptation is high. It's awkward sometimes to say no. People are attractive. It's there for you. 
heart pumping, I feel this flutters, whatever it is. You see, you know, men you like or women you like, you go, mm, he fine, oh, she fine, oh, my baby dad, oh, I'm gonna have kids, but oh, you're so crazy. I think, oh, what that your baby? So, but you tell yourself that the same thing, all those things that I um that I had said to you, and um, it's some it's hard to avoid certain things like we tell ourselves lower our gaze so are you never going to go to a beach or are you just going to go to a beach and pretend like nobody else is there and it's just you and your girls or you when because there's certain places where it's there when you show up the summertime is always going to be the summertime it's always going to have the nakedness because this these are the, the clothes is being sold people take the clothes off they feel like it's going to make them cooler are you never going to go outside and are you always going to look at the ground? You always going to like, it's, it's really, that's why you just have to build up the taqwa. We hear those words all the time. Okay. Build up the taqwa, you know, be patient, have, you know, um, just, I just think that people should avoid unnecessary conversations. A lot of times when we're courting, somebody needs to tell us how, how to have conversations about sex before marriage. We need to be taught that because when, we, when we're when we alone talking with men and women that we're interested in, we don't have the same conversations that we would have if our father or mother was there or the imam was there in the sit down. We don't act, though no brother would ask you you know, can I see you without the overgarment? Can you send this pic? He's not going to sit across from your brother, your mockroom, and say that. So we need someone to tell us, like, look, we want to have the conversation, a healthy one. And how can we have that? And someone like the village auntie can help us with that. And there's also uh, Dr. Shakira Abdullah. She's like halal sex expert. And she's talking to the youth and talking to people. So we need to talk to other people if we want to know how to conduct ourselves. We got to watch when we flirting with people. We got to, um, and, you know, look, but don't touch. And, you know, as, as someone who's battling, um, you know, dealing with this celibacy, um, you probably, other people should probably stay away from aphrodisiacs, but I'm sorry. I like chocolate. I like raw oysters. I like clams. And we can't say no to everything. Everything in moderation. Those things, they make me feel good. Nobody else right now making me feel good. <laughs> so it is what it is. And that's <laughs> Thank you. We deeply appreciate your honesty. Thank you so much, Tafasha. Naima, I wanted to come back over to you as it relates to um, the sexual um, advances or just really just being able to battle, like you said, say no, um, cultivate. And we know the right thing to do, but to be honest with you, Naiman, I know you know this, we're from the same place. It's a struggle out here, you know, it's a struggle. Uh, well, you know, this is the thing. I mean, cause you, you know how the Philadelphia Muslim community, you know, we, I, I know your family's from Jersey, but y'all spend a lot of time over, over you know, across the bridge. Thank you for Philly. clarifying that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> uh, but we, we, you know, we, we love y'all. We love the Mills family. Um, I see, I'm, I'm a little, I'm a little different. And people tell me this all the time. They're always calling me a unicorn. I mean, I, I was raised between my parents and sister Claire Muhammad school in Philadelphia. I was raised from the beginning to have a lot of discipline. And I was taught that discipline is the only way in which you'll be able to practice this Dean correctly. Um, and I'm not saying that other Muslims don't, don't have discipline. I'm just saying that 
when when it comes to just certain things in life, especially as how it relates to men and women, how they interact, you have to have a lot of discipline. I've said this before in another um, another live broadcast with with another page. I don't allow men to call me or to have conversations with me after a certain time because I know as the as the evening goes on, people get more relaxed. That's why they call it talking dirty after dark. There are just certain things that I don't engage in. So it doesn't become like, oh, you know, this I, I just can't say no. The attraction is just so, so strong. Again, a law tells us don't come near it. Um, you know, that kind of makes me like a square. People say, oh, you know, you're a square. But oh, oh, well, you know, I'm not trying to fall into into fornication. If it's one thing, I'm a lot of things. But one thing I'm not is a fornicator. That's one thing I'm not. And inshallah, I'll never fall in, into that. And I, I seek refuge in the law from that and seek refuge in the law from anything that could lead to that. But I think the, the, the way that Muslim men and Muslim women engage, is just haram. Um, I, I see it online. I see it with the flirting in some, you know, some of the groups, especially some of the co-ed groups, the, the flirting that goes on. They act like people don't see it, but the people do actually see it. Um, I see it with some of the, the photos that, that women post uh, where they're covered, but they're naked because the clothing is very tight, is very form fitting and trying to show their shape so they can have a, a greater chance of snagging a brother. Um, and, and all of these things like you, I, I really don't, don't know what, what to what to say ab about that. Only is, is that we, we need to fear a law. Like, I know that that sounds cliche, but a lot of the advice that a law has given us regarding guarding our private parts is cliche mm -hmm. but we still don't follow it and yeah. because we're not following what Allah is telling us to do he is humiliating us he's humiliating our communities he's humiliating these uh these uh married couples he's humiliating everybody um mm -hmm. until we rededicate ourselves seriously to what Allah and his messenger sallallahu alaihi wasallam have put in place no matter how cliche or you know elementary it sounds we are going to continue to have these problems. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate this perspective. Um, and I'm going to pop down to you, you sister um, Angelica, and just in regards to specific advice, just specific advice for men and women when faced with wanted sexual advances from the opposite gender. How, how are we managing this sis? in the realest of ways? <laughs> so let me preface this by saying I've been married for 16 years, but a lot of people don't think I have a man because I don't put them on my page because it ain't the village auntie and uncle page. It's the village auntie page. And he does not like social media. He's the exact opposite of me. He does not like the limelight. And because a lot of people don't know that I'm married, I get, I'm just going to be honest. Okay. Can I just be honest? Please, I see Child, it'd be some fine brothers that send me messages. And when I noticed that, I put the no DM rule up. I don't want to see your profile picture, brother. I don't want to email from you because although I've been married for 16 years, I still have eyes. I still can see a handsome man. I'm not going to do anything because as beautiful as that man is, this is my simple advice, my simple advice. Is that man finer than the rivers in Jannah? Is that sister worth your akhirah? If she is, I mean, I'm not going to say I would do it, 
with more grease to your elbow. But for me, if you're not finer than the rivers and the valleys and the mountains and the scenery and the palace that I'm trying to create in Jenna, I, I, I don't want to, I don't want to deal with it. And you really do have, Naima is right. You have to be that strict and disciplined about it. You have to cut off certain conversations. Even now being married, I have friends who are men who are married and we only have conversations in certain formats. Brother, you can email me. You can send me a message on WhatsApp in a group chat. We're not having one-on-one -on -one conversation. We're not doing that. We're not doing that because Shaitan is nefarious and will just seep in. Because I'm going to tell y'all, it's some fine brothers. Let me, hold on. Let me pull this a little bit closer. Let me see y'all some. Just going to pull up a picture, child. Okay. Listen, <laughs> I'm 45 years old. It's 25-year-old brothers who will be like, auntie, you got a man? Yes, baby, I got a man. And I could have created you as a man because I'm old enough to be your mama. But here's some nieces I got in the village who can deal with you. I just have to be very realistic. But this is one of the reasons why I don't allow men in my space. I don't. I don't have classes with men unless there's another brother present who I trust. I don't do these kinds of things because Jannah is too important. My Ahira is too important to even have a thought because I, I, I would never want to do anything, right? But even we, we forget that Zina is not just the action, it's also the thought. So when you get that sexual advance, and you do that look, you know, some people take that one look, but it'd be a long look. Yeah, it's, it. it's like I'm a look and I'm gonna get a whole buffet full <laughs> of what you know what <laughs> what I want. We have to be mindful and to not try to, you know, circumvent the rules. So my simple advice is just think to yourself, are they more beautiful than the rivers in Jannah? And are they worth your ahira? If the answer is no, which it should be no, then back away. Beautiful. SubhanAllah. Um, thank you guys so much. We do have a question. Um, I missed it. I'm just trying to get to it really quickly. Sorry, guys. Um, I know it was a YouTube subscriber. I'm trying to bring it up. Oh, SubhanAllah. Um, but I do want to ask the question that was presented. Just give me, be patient with me, guys. It's a lot. The, the, the audience is going in. Can we just shout out our audience real quick? And it was right here. Okay, question. Is the inability to tame our sexual desires leading to drive through marriages in our D, which happens to lead to hasty divorces because not enough time is taken to learn our mates? So is the inability to tame? I think we, we spoke to that. Um, Sheikh, did you want to comment on that question or the village auntie either? Uh, you said the inability of what? Of taming our sexual desires is that leading to us just diving into marriages without really thinking about? Yeah, I mean, yes, yes, for 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 sure. We know in some communities they got drive-by marriages. In some countries um, uh, around the world, they have brothels where they they do a muta before they go into the room and they divorce them when they come out. So uh, uh, you know. Um, um, it, I think it's the false sense of what marriage should be with our youth right now. I'm so thankful for you, Angelica, especially with the village honor from the time I've known you and the things that you're doing with women, because I really try to instill that in, in men. But there are too many false, like, you know, 
uh, marriage is not Frozen 1 or 2, it's not Moana, it's not, you know, the first black princess on Disney, it's not Cinderella, it's, it's not in any of those things. Marriage is, is, is something that you have to really, really deal with. We just need to start learning how to deal with each other, you mm -hmm. know, and um, deal with each other in a better, better way. But, but you know, those problems are, 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 are evident in the community. Mm -hmm. mm, SubhanAllah. Sister Yasmin said the mm -hmm. number of multi proposals I received. Can mm -hmm. find yourself. Yeah, that's a sickness. That's a, that, that's, that's a that's sickness a in thing. our community right now. Because mm -hmm. um, the big question is uh, 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 polygamy or polygyny or whatever. But the worst thing is that how many married men have mistresses and how rare sisters got jump offs. And this is plaguing our community. And then each one try to blame each other. One cheats and the other revenge cheats. What is that? That's not in the Sunnah of Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam. You know, and so those things, and especially what America has given us, we have to, we're American Africans. Because we got America, too much of America in us. We don't know about Allah the Prophet because we don't remember him enough. We know America more, but we have to fight our urges, for, you know, fight these things. And we have to try to overlook each other's faults. The thing I see the most with marriage is dealing with each other's faults and being able to say, I'm sorry. And mean it. Or be able to accept that when you're the shaitan, when you are the shaitan, can you accept when you're wrong? Mm. And so with those things, they're, they're creating these things and these driving a young. And, and I just wanted to address one thing, sisters, and I want to ask you, we have to stop the acceptance of bastard children in our community. I just want to be real with you. Will you overlook it? I see Muslims praising children out of wedlock. The brother, he Muslim, she Muslim, all they cute together. But they not married, but they got little Abdullah. They shacking up. We have to really deal with each other, really stay with marriage. And the problem uh, in America, and I said at a conference with my sister Angelica at the Black Muslim Psychology Conference, as Muslims have become per perfect at divorcing, and imperfect extending Marion. Mm. Sister um, Angelica, I wanted to just kind of come over to you real quick, and I know we have to wrap up, but um, as it relates to our marriages, Muta marriage is, a, is like I said, a real thing, microwavable marriages, getting married and divorced, getting married simply for sex. Um, how can we as a community begin to really navigate these things and just really address them? I think it comes with the simple reality that marriage is more than sex. Mm -hmm. Let me tell you something. There's no brother with 27 speeds, six batteries, or a USB charger, okay? He said, baby, I can go all night. You might could go part of the night, but you're not gonna go all night, right? We got to eat. We got to go to work. We have to pray. We have to interact. We're not just going to be having sex all the time. Marriage, you can have good sex in a horrible marriage, in an abusive marriage. 
Marriage is not just sex. And Sheikh Kafani is right. We don't understand truly what marriage is and why it's a contract in Islam. You can improve your sex game. I, I can tell I can teach you how if you need to. You can improve that, but you cannot improve communication if you don't focus on it. You cannot improve emotional intimacy if you don't focus on it. You cannot improve spiritual connectedness if you didn't know that this was even a part of marriage. So I think one of the reasons why we have these drive-through marriages and muta, and not even, you know, muta, you have some communities, I think Imam Siraj Wahaj said, um, there are some communities where everybody in the room has seen each other naked because so many, you know, marriages have happened. It's because again, we are devaluing this institution within Islam. Marriage is the, the foundation of the ummah. Right. It's the foundation of the ummah. And it's not just men who are focusing on this. You also have sisters. I, I have sisters, you know, who who, you know, their 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 list of qualifications that they're looking for in a husband. The first five all have to do with sex. Yes, she, he should be pleasing to the eye. But can you have a conversation with him? Does the brother have some financial literacy? Do we pray on time? Does he wash his legs and his feet? Says like there's so many other things that we have to consider when it comes to marriage. But we've reduced marriage to I get to have some halal sex. And it's really so much more than that. And I can tell you being married for 16 years at a certain point, if this is the person that you want to be um, married to for life, you definitely have to have more glue than just sex to hold you together. There definitely has to be some um, binding factor that keeps you together. And, and sex is a part of it, but it's not the only or the major part of it. Hmm. Powerful. Thank you so much. Go ahead, Tabasha, really quickly. Just quickly, I wanted to say that we constantly in our community have to have a conversation around marital rape and can a husband rape his wife? And I've seen it on multiple platforms and our leaders don't want to speak on it because I guess they feel it's a gray area because uh, men believe that, you know, um, we cannot say no and they have a right to our body all the time because it comes with the marriage and it comes with the contract when you accept the dowry, I guess they paid for you. So you needed to be available. Mm -hmm. And I just wanted to point out, I don't know how other you all feel that's on this podcast, but I wanted to make my voice heard that yes, women can be raped within a marriage. And, and that's that. And we should stop having to have the conversation about whether this can happen. We know that a man has a right to the intimacy. And we also know that there are probably times when women are saying no for whatever reason, being sick, not feeling well, who knows, mental health issues, maybe just had a child, who knows what the issue is. The man could be cheating, she could be scared that maybe he's out there, who knows? But if no is no, that's in Islam, that's outside of Islam. So that's the first point I wanted to make. And then the second point quickly, I agree with what Kafani said in regards to not normalizing the babies of the bed or the children that, um, the children, the people that are having children without being married. But I do, I do believe that we shouldn't punish the children. The, the adults or the young people or whoever they are, those are the people who need to be chastise or admonish but all the all children are free from whatever they they shouldn't be held accountable for what their parents do 
They shouldn't bear the sin of their parents. So we still should be kind to them when they come into the community. They still need nurturing. They still need guidance. They might need some of our financial support. Who knows what they need? We should still provide that for them because it's not their fault that their parents was out here doing the wrong thing. Thank you. Thank you so much. Really quickly, did you guys want to talk about, mention something about marital rape? I know we're past our 90 minutes, but um, and I'm looking at Sheikh Khafani or Villajanti. Did you want to touch on that really quickly? Sure. Um, yeah. I'll just, just really quickly, and I'm, you know, I'm not a Sheikha, I'm not an Ustaz in, in this regard, but this idea that the husband has a right to sex is, is false. Spouses have rights to each other. And we tend to lend so heavily on the husband has rights to your body. This is a mutual right that Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gave us. And sex is haram under certain conditions. One, if a woman is on her period. Two, if there are certain acts that, that are done that are wasteful. So if you're using food, for example, you know, you need to make sure that you consume the food that you use as a part of sex play. The other condition is it cannot be harmful. Harm is not just physical harm, it can be emotional harm as well. And so my question is when we talk about marital rape, when we talk, and I don't even call it marital rape, I take the marital part off and just say rape. Um, and, and let me just, you know, I'll just put this here. People who've been following for a long time know this. I was raped by a Muslim man two weeks after I took my Shahada. We were not in a relationship. There was, you know, it was someone that I knew who felt that he could have access to my body and then tried to use that um, as a means to get a marriage proposal because he said, well, I've already had you, so you should just marry me. And, you know, 23 year old Muslim, you can imagine how that spun my head. But this is a part of the miseducation of the Muslim and that we believe that spousal rights only go one way. They actually go both ways. But my question to a man who is forcing himself on his wife, why would you want to force yourself on a woman who does not want to be have sex with you. There's something else going on. If that woman is your wife, if that woman has pledged to love you and be committed to you, you have to ask yourself, why do I have to force myself on her? What is it about me that is making me so repulsive that my wife does not even want to have sex with me? Is she sick? Is she depressed? All of these things are very important. So um, I like to tell couples that consent is not perpetual. You don't have perpetual access to someone's body at all times because while the spouses have rights over each other, you your body also has rights over you. And, and so we see this manifesting in things like vaginismus, you know, and that's a whole other conversation. But we, we can't just, we can't cherry pick, right? What works for us. Well, the angels will curse you until morning until you don't have sex with me. Okay, brother, but if you are harmful and you treat your wife poorly, that's going to get written down in your book. And is that really what you want recorded and exposed on the day of judgment? So I think, um, you know, what Sheikh Kafani is doing in Detroit, um, the good brothers, you know, th they have these conversations about chivalry and manhood. This is what we need to have because we have to have balanced conversations, not only about what the husband's rights are, but also what the rights wife, uh, wife's rights are as well. Jazakallah Khairan. Thank you so much for that um, commentary. Um, Sheikh, Sheikh Kafani, are you good? Did you want to make a quick note before we exit? Uh yeah, just a quick note before we exit and to add to what you and all my beautiful sisters um, have said today. Um, uh, there is the use of some type of patriarchal rights when it comes to the reality of Allah and Prophet Muhammad And it's something that should be fought, but it's coming from 
another culture. We have to realize that Islam is a culture and that we've been blessed with in Arab, Arabic, but Arabs are not the, is not the culture of the Muslims. And we have to look real deep into under, uh, 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 understanding that. And in some cultures, there are some things that, um, that get refortified with some teachers. You know, uh, most people don't know, you know what I mean? Angelica, and shout out to Misunderstood. I love your music. Uh, um, um, I'm a performer too. I've traveled the world. I've danced. I've been on Apollo way back in the day. I have three. I have a video of me dancing on the internet that got 66 million hits. But that's like, again, that I left. You, you, know, you know what I mean? So um, when, uh, 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 what was it? Um, oh man, that's kind of a lot. You got me in the dunya. Um, 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 so when we, <laughs> I went somewhere else, y'all just, y'all just, y'all just don't know. <laughs> uh, y'all just don't know where I was, but had a moment shake. Sorry, y'all just don't know. Subhanallah. Uh huh. So when so the Arabs and these things, we have to stop this. Um, when you hear the hadith of Sallallahu Alaihi Wasallam that more women will go to the fire than men. I remember one of my teacher told me, but Allah never says the percentage. What if it's 51% to 49? It's just 1% over. Allah has never said there's not going to be a ton of men that go to the fire. And a ton of the men will go to the fire because of things they've done to their wives, because of spousal rape, because of how they've treated them mentally, Physically and emotionally, and vice versa. Assalamu alaikum. Alaikum Jazakallah khairan. We are way ziada. We are way over our time. I don't like to hold people past 90 minutes. I did just want to offer space just super fast. If it could be like a minute, um, Naima, if you had any final thoughts um, to, to all those watching, our, our audiences, they was like, it's lit. Yeah, it is completely lit over there. Okay. okay. Uh, just real quick, um, I. I'm not calling anybody to be a nun. I'm not calling anybody to be a priest. We know that uh, marriage and, and having sex within the confines of marriage is permissible. We know that it is encouraged in our dean. So I'm not calling anybody to, to that. But uh, I just want to have a quick message out there for all the brothers and sisters who are virgins. I want to encourage you uh, to stay firm in your dean and not to become victim uh, to your lower desires, which could cause you to marry the wrong person. Uh, we have to learn to lead our bodies and not allow our bodies to lead us, inshallah. Assalamu alaikum. Thank you for that final point. Tavasha, if we could just keep it under a minute, minute and a half, that'd be great. All I can really say is that you should put a law first, um, be patient, um, try fast and see if it works for you. Um, watch, you know, people, places and things like what they tell people who have drug addictions. Watch the company that you keep in. Watch where you're going, how you're interacting on these social medias, on these apps. Remember that your husband might not see you. Your wife might not see you. Um, your friends don't see you. We don't know what you do, but Allah sees you. He's forever watching over you. So that's important. Um, I'm somebody who's not against um, if people want to masturbate, only because if that's going to be what prevents you from going out and actually really like engaging in the sex with somebody and that's your um uh what they call it your alternative 
then hey, you do what you got to do. You get the toys you got to get, touch whatever you got to touch. As long as you know, um, you don't, you, you know yourself. So just know your limits, have those limits, set the limits. And um, yeah, and don't be, and if you, if you do happen to fall short, don't be afraid to ask for forgiveness. You got to repent, repent, repent. And one of the um, conditions that come with the repent is just sincerity, being sincere. And if you want to be sincere, you shouldn't be a repeat offender of that offense if you're going to repent. Shekafani, some final words for our audience, please. Final tip, please. Um, um, increase yourself in love and, and decrease yourself in lust. Uh, one from your brother or your sister, what you would like for yourself. And the true meaning of that is I would want you to get to know Allah and the Prophet better. And you should want me to get to know Allah and the Prophet better. Um, being thankful we're having a discussion like this about taming the beast instead of just speaking behind closed doors. And um, uh, let's start being truthful with ourselves. Uh, and truthful with our children because uh, if you don't, if you're not truthful with them, they're going to go to check Google, and check Google is teaching them a whole nother thing, and the culture is teaching them a whole nother thing. So we have to use all of that, and we have to speak to them directly. The more I speak to the children, when I try to beat around the bush, like they 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 don't even pay attention to me. But when I'm direct, when I'm real. You know, you know, you know, with no chaser, when I'm like that, they respect me, especially the men and especially the women. So let's be direct with us. Let's have more discussions like this. And please remember, and just as some of the sisters reminded, if you do something wrong, brothers and sisters, follow it up with something good. Just don't start doing wrong over and over again. Mm -hmm. Inshallah. Salaam alaikum. And Sister Angelica. Um, your final bit of advice. I don't know if you want to, I, I, and just really quickly, that's okay. I don't know if you want to touch on that masturbation. I know that's what might not just have to be part two. Like that's part two. Um, Tavasha, you opened up a can of worms. Thank you very much. But go ahead, sister. <laughs> well, I just want to, I, I want to make two statements. One, the greatest love of your life should be Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, period. Every relationship that you have is a, is a reflection of the relationship that you have with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Uh, and my final word is I want to thank you, Sabria, for, for bringing a media platform to our community that continues to enrich us and engage us in conversations that a lot of people are not willing to have. Um, the openness of the platform. I've watched countless episodes of the Adult Muslim Woman podcast. So I think it's important that we uplift and celebrate especially black Muslim women. I, you know, I love my brothers, you know, Sheikh Kofani, that's like, he's my brother. We birth from the same spiritual womb, right? And I love my brothers, but I want to say, we have to celebrate and honor the trailblazing work of the sisters in our community. So thank you, Sabria. Thank you, Naima. Thank you, Misunderstood. You know, I've been a fan of yours for, for a long time. I'll be rapping in the car. It's terrible, but you know, that's that's okay. Um, Ziada, we're, we're Facebook friends. I see the work that you're doing. So I just want to make my final word. Thank you to my sisters um, and celebrating you, not just in Women's History Month, but every single day. In any way that I can continue to support the Dope Muslim Woman podcast, it's my honor to do so. 
that means the world to me. Thank you so much. I really deeply appreciate it. Sianna, thank you so much for co-hosting in honor of that. Um, I deeply appreciate you. I appreciate you so much. And she knows the panic I had. I'm like, I just want to get the village on TV. Please help me. Um, <laughs> so she... Wait a minute, wait I a just minute. wanted to say... Oh, Go ahead. Go ahead. It's a, there is a myth in the community that I am hard to get in touch with. Let me just let you know. No, if you Muslim, it ain't hard. We it ain't but two degrees of separation between us. So you have my information. I will email you my phone number. Just text me next time you want me to come on, and it's my pleasure to. <laughs> I just wanted to first just own um give space to uh the village auntie for sharing your story um and um the courage to even share that and that you did not allow that to change the love for Allah in Islam. So I, I honor you in that, you know, I honor you a lot because you give voices to those that are voiceless and for give courage to us as um, women in Islam to feel comfortable in our sexuality and just to for us to have a better understanding. And I do deeply appreciate Sabria. And like you said, we have to honor her, you know, because um, like I tell her all the time, um, as they say, misbehaved women never make history, right? Uh, Well-behaved women never make history, right? And Sabria is pushing the envelope and some people can become uncomfortable with it, but these spaces are very important. And the feedback that I get from my non-Muslim family and clients is that they love this platform. And so as Muslims, we need to be more loving. We need to be more loving toward one another and show compassion to one another. And if we keep asking the love for forgiveness and compassion, then we have to do that amongst each other. We really do. So, you know, Sabria, I honor you and I honor your space all the time. Thank you so much. Thank you so much. And I echo that. Thank you to Vasha. Misunderstood. You know, I've wanted you so for so long. Thank you so much because you're raw. You're honest. You're like a a breath of fresh air. I deeply appreciate you. Thank you so much for coming on. Naima, thank like you for having me. Oh, sorry. Thank you. <laughs> I'm sorry. Naima, thank you so much. I love you, sis. I just remember, I love the woman that you blossom into, but it's no surprise you were the same way when we were growing up. I used to always look at you like, can I just be a little bit like her? A little bit. And I was trying to be like you. <laughs> <laughs> I would see you. I think I think I saw you one time. We were at the, well, Ella means they call it an Islamic place now. And I saw you and I think you might have been living in Pittsburgh at the time. And I was just like, oh, that's such a beautiful sister. Like, I love all my sisters that I grew up in Philly, but there are just certain people when you see them, they just have a light about them. And you, you, you can tell they just have a pure heart. And I always, always got that from you, Sabria. Thank you. Love you, Naima. Thank you for coming on. Sheikh Lafani, thank you so much for honoring us here with your knowledge and your presence and just being a brother for us. Make dua. If you would, wouldn't mind um, and, and, and relieve, leaving us in, in, in dua in just a second. And again, sister, thank you so much. Just, thank you so much, sister Angelic. I really appreciate you deeply. I watch you all the time. You have really given me a lot of strength. Um, like I said, when I grew up, it was very taboo. I got married at 19 and I was like, and, uh, you know, it was traumatic, you know, and just being able to really have a better understanding of my sexuality and just what's really wrong. And, I mean, and what's right. You have really helped to empower me. So thank you so much. I deeply appreciate you for coming on. And thank you again, Ziada. Sheikh Kafani, can you leave us with a dua? It would be deeply appreciated. A'udhu billahi minash shaitan ar-rajim. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Alhamdulillahi rabbil alimin. Alhamdulillahi maliki yamiddin. إياك نعبد وإياك نستعين إلينا صراط مستقيم صراط الذين أنمت عليهم 
ghairil maghdubi alihim madaddalin amin rabbana atina fi dunya hasanatan wa fil akhirati hasanatan wa qina adhaban nar allahumma in kana riskin fi sama'i fanzaluna wa in kana fi aqfa kharajna wa in kana baidin faqribna wa in kana qaribin fayusirna wa in kana qalilan faqbirna wa in kana qalilan faqbirna ya razaq ya rafa'u ya razaq Allah if whatever we need is it in the heavens to bring it down for for us if whatever we need to help us is within the earth then bring it out for for us but if whatever we need is far away from us then bring it close to us and if it is close to us then make it easy for us to get and if it's a little then make it an abundance for us our families and our communities allahumma salli ala sayyidina muhammad wa fatimina ugil wa khatimina sawana sahaka man hadi ala salatikum mustaqim wa ala alihi aqadimum kadharudin subhana rabbika rabbil izzati amma yasifun وسلام 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 على المسلمين الحمد لله رب العالمين Jazakallah khair. And with that said, thank you so much to the dope audience members. Please remember, um, inshallah, to come back. Our next podcast next Wednesday is called I'm Not Crazy. We're addressing mental health in the Black Muslim community. Um, so we deeply appreciate you. We'll see you then. Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullah.